everybody, and welcome back to Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast on the Laser Time Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Henry Gilbert, that's H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G, on Twitter. Sorry, I do not have the sound effects here, and I don't have other people here. I am just recording this alone in my apartment on a lovely Saturday But, you know, it had been a while, and there's a ton of stuff to talk about, so I felt like, why not just do a special? In case this uh, you haven't listened in a while, just remind you, this is the podcast where we talk about the new events in the world of comic books, graphic novels, and the stories and works based upon them. But specifically, since we took our time off and went on indefinite hiatus, Uh, You know, I got a new job. That was what happened, and I've been uh, writing for fandom.wikia.com, or just fandom, if you want to call it that. So if you heard of Wikia, this is their new editorial arm, and I am applying my trade there, writing and making videos and and all that great stuff. And it's been really fun, but I have missed doing this podcast, and I miss talking to you guys. And uh, while I couldn't get the other guys together for this... After Comic-Con, and after I attended Comic-Con for fandom, I really did want to share my thoughts with all of you people out there. I really, really did. And lots of people, even on Twitter, were asking for my opinions on things out of Comic-Con. So, I felt like, you know what? Let's just do this special here. I'll do a one-off, or whatever this is. I'm calling it Henry's Comic-Con Diary. Uh, to let you know everything that happened to me Comic-Con and all my thoughts and just give you give you a quick update on things. Also, yeah, I did want to say uh, thanks to all of you, all of you listeners out there who had so many nice things to say about the show when it stopped. And uh, and uh, thank you for your patience. You know, I've been wanting to do a couple specials here and there if I could uh, in my off time, either with the guys uh, you know, the other hosts, or just on my off time at home talking into my Yeti blue microphone. Uh, but either way, yeah, why don't I just get into it then and tell you guys about uh, my Comic-Con and my thoughts on the big, big show. Uh, so first off, just uh, I got to meet so many people who make the stuff I enjoy. It was It was great. Like, thanks to fandom, I got access to or got to interview tons of people. Like, that, uh, the big fandom party that happened on Thursday night at Comic-Con, I got to meet Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk from Con Man, and, uh, you know, Nathan Fillion is an awesome dude, uh, super cool guy, and I got to tell Alan Tudyk that I have been a fan of his in Stranger of the Candy, which he was very thankful for. He, he really he really appreciated that. Also at the party I got got to meet Casper Van Dien, aka Johnny Rico from from Starship Troopers, and he really liked being identified as Johnny Rico, I think. That was that was pretty cool. I, I love that movie. It's uh I think that's kind of an uh you know, I don't know. It, it's a really good movie that I think a lot of people underestimated, though now it's like ah uh, it's it's the other way around now. People are just like I think people overestimate Starship Troopers, but but I still love it. I have not watched any of the other films in the series, like three where Casper came back. But hey, good on him, and he he's also in Con Man this season. Uh, I also got to talk to the director Sharknado, who is a nice person. Uh, so I won't say my opinions on the Sharknado film. 
Uh, also, outside of the big party, I got to go to a roundtable interview for uh, Steven Universe, which was so awesome. It was a weird experience too, because you know it was it was roundtable, which if you're not uh, if you don't know what that means, you know it's it's you and and uh, several other reporters there who get to ask questions as a group, and so you know you ask your question, other people take their turn, and while I could have been, I wanted to ask all the questions to you know creator of the show Rebecca Sugar. Supervising director Ian Jones Cordy uh, and all the voice talent from the show. I really couldn't or didn't because, you know, there were other people there I wanted to share the space with them, especially the, like, there were kids there, or, well, I don't know, you know, like teen, little young teens there who, who I kind of wanted to give them their space. Like, it, I didn't want to be the selfish dude who who talked over them there. But uh, but then after it, I I had a moment to tell Rebecca Sugar just how amazing I think the show Steven Universe is, and I really, really do. It's, oh God, it's such a great show. Also got to meet Nolan North, tell, and he was super great, like the nicest, funniest guy in the world who was just... Uh, the nicest, funniest guy in the world who also really liked my Rick and Morty shirt. In case you don't know, he played Scroopy Noopers in the first season of Rick and Morty. And another big deal for me was I got to do Injustice 2 interview and talk to the people behind that. So Ed Boone, who made games I've been playing since I was like eight. Phil Lamar, who's done a voice in everything I've ever watched, every cartoon I've ever watched. He's he's the greatest. In case you don't know me, well, he was Marvin in uh, Pulp Fiction, who he really liked that I referenced that. Uh, but also, you know, he, he plays Aquaman in Injustice. Most famously, he played Jon Stewart in uh, Not the Daily Show, but Justice League. Uh, and he was really, really, he was super friendly, super funny, great guy. I also got to talk to George Newbern, who uh, is the voice of Superman in Injustice, but has been voicing Superman since he took over the role for the Justice League animated series in uh, the early 2000s when he took over the role from Tim Daly and uh, you know he was really cool like super friendly I only afterwards realized I should have complimented him on that world of cardboard scene uh, and then there was uh, I saw Brian Posehn in a hallway and told him how awesome he was so so that was fun that's fun. Uh, and uh, lastly, went to the Sonic the Hedgehog party, which I talked a bit about on this week's Vigi Game Apocalypse. But if you want an update on it, it was just uh, what if all the biggest Sonic fans were locked in the House of Blues together at very close quarters, hot room, and then they all ate chili dogs? What if that happened? That was that was the Sonic. 25th birthday party, but it was tons of fun as a, a Sonic skeptic. I still had a really great time there, and, you know, I got to play Sonic Mania, which was actually pretty good. I mean, it's, you know, like Mega Man 9 for Sonic. That's that's what it is, and that's a good thing. Mega Man 9 was a good game. Uh, so that's pretty much like the outside-of-panel stuff I did at Comic-Con. You know, I, I just had, I had a really good time there. I also went to a uh, Telltale Batman gaming event that was uh, hosted by Greg Miller. It was, it was really great. I, I, uh, the, I got to meet some of the Telltale people I know offline, and, and they were really friendly there, too. 
and I got to watch full playthrough of the first episode of uh, Telltale Batman, and it was it was awesome. It's sort of in the year one timeline, but it kind of is its own timeline for Batman, and because of the choice structure of a Telltale game, Batman gets to do a lot of stuff he doesn't normally get to do in any game, and he gets to really push the envelope in ways you don't expect because it's it's your choice and so yeah i really really enjoyed that all right so another big reason i wanted to record this episode was because there were so many big bits of news out of comic-con that i wanted to just share my feelings on here and uh, so i'm doing that now and uh, why don't we start from the top, which I think is the most inspiring slash, like, interesting, was the Justice League, like, footage slash trailer. So, you know, in the run-up to Comic-Con, they did, like, set visits with with uh, journalists from all over the world. They came to England where Zack Snyder was filming the Justice League movie, and all these guys had very positive reactions to it after the film, they or after the footage they'd seen. But I was still kind of doubtful. And then they shared that a lot of the footage from that event at Comic-Con, and they posted it immediately online, too. I think they realized. I think this Comic-Con really was about everyone but Marvel realizing everything leaks, so they're not going to share it. Uh, and shockingly, though, at this point, the secret stuff shown during the Marvel panel has not leaked yet. So I, I don't know. They're... They were very good at policing camera phones and shit in that room. But anyway, the Justice League footage was actually really good. Like, I, it was really promising. It, it does, you know, I read all those things that Zack Snyder and his producers were like, oh, we learned our lesson, we're going to lighten it up. I thought, yeah, yeah, this is just the press tour you do every time to say, oh, no, we're, we're fixing it this time, we're fixing it. Like, yeah, right. And yet it really was the case like at least this footage was the case the flash actually seemed like a fun guy who enjoyed doing things batman had a more hopeful air to him like everything just seemed a bit more positive and it was like i don't know it wasn't the fucking dirge of depression that batman versus superman was and i wonder to a degree if it's because Zack snyder doesn't have to deal with Superman, at least in the footage we saw, like he's not back yet, and so I, I feel like Zack Snyder's just not the Superman guy. He's the Batman guy, and Batman is the lead character in a Justice League film who brings together the Justice League. That is much more in Snyder's ability than uh, Superman is, and so I think it came together a lot better. Uh, also out of the Warner panel was the Wonder Woman footage. I really actually love that Wonder Woman trailer. I mean, it had some, like, cornball lines, and I'm not, I wasn't 100% into it, but the action scenes with her reminded me what I loved about the Wonder Woman action in Batman vs. Superman as well. Like, I think they really get how to make her a unique character in action scenes, as opposed to, you know, she doesn't fight like Batman, she doesn't fight like Superman, she doesn't fight like Captain America, she fights like Wonder Woman especially in the way that she uses her lasso in special ways in the fights. Like, that was great. Moving on to the Marvel stuff, Brie Larson confirmed as Captain Marvel. Really cool to hear that. You know, she's an Oscar winner, so that's, you know, a big-time actor. Most of the leads in their things, if you notice, like, Marvel usually likes to get leads who are 
relatively famous and then surround them with Oscar winners. You know, like Chris Evans, he was big, but he wasn't, you know, a huge star before Captain America. And then they surround him with, you know, like Stanley Tucci and Tommy Lee Jones, big time actors. In Thor, Chris Hemsworth, not a big star. Surround him with Rene Russo and Anthony Hopkins, big name Oscar winners. And yet in this case with Brie Larson, they're getting the Oscar winner in the middle. I know Kelly C. DeConnick had good points about this too, that some people were bothered or, or disappointed that, uh, you know, Carol Danvers in the comics, she's more of an established like woman in her like mid mid to late 30s, maybe even early 40s, who's, who's had a lot of experience at this point. And Brie Larson is a bit young and it did feel compared to that. And it feels kind of like this, you know, age problem that there is in, in film where women of a certain age don't get cast and stuff. And that's totally a real problem. But, uh, you know, if it's an origin story, I can get it to a degree that this is Captain Marvel when she's starting out or this is her when she's newer at it and Brie Larson can totally play that anyway. And then, you know, they I can get it too because Marvel wants somebody famous and somebody who can, you know, grow with the role, who can do it for a long time. And I, I just wonder, man, how many movies do they sign her to? Like eight, nine? Who knows? Also, there was the Thor Ragnarok footage still not shown online, but uh, implying that it is Planet Hulk and that, uh, you know, Gladiator Hulk is in it. That is awesome news. I would love them to use the third Thor film as a way to sneak in a Planet Hulk storyline. That would be really, really great. Uh, seeing everybody on stage for Black Panther, the Black Panther film, was also great, too. Like, so many awesome actors in it. Seeing that the actress who plays Michonne on The Walking Dead, that she's in it as well. On top of Lupita and Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan is Killmonger. It's just... And Ryan Coogler is just the freaking man. Like, I cannot wait to see the movie he makes. Same like I can't wait for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, and seeing that Mantis is in it, that's great. Now they've got two green ladies on the team. And uh, all we need now is a bigger part for Cosmo in the show. That'd be great. Also, the Spider-Man Homecoming stuff. I mean, it was, it was what we already knew. You know, it was just a lot of confirmation on things. Like that Vulture's in it and he's the villain. And uh, that it's going to be in high school. And, and honestly, I want a whole trilogy of Spider-Man films where he's in high school the entire time. Like, never have him go to college. Just have him have, you know, have it be sophomore, junior, and senior year in each of the films, and then he gets out in the last one, uh, and he starts going to college. That would be great. Like, all the Spider-Man films just flash through high school. They want to be done with it, even and, and even when they're not done with it. Like, the first Amazing Spider-Man, you know, took place there, but it barely was a high school film, and then they dump him out of it by the time for the next one. So I was happy to hear that they're keeping him in high school. Neither of those panels I attended because there were many more things I had to do at work than uh, wait all day to be in Hall H, so I wasn't going to bother with that. But I did go on Thursday night to the Marvel Netflix panel. That was really, really great. It was presented as the Luke Cage panel, but really it was just the Netflix panel. It was hosted by Jeff Loeb, who, uh, not the biggest fan of his comics, but hey, who cares? He seems to be doing up some pretty good stuff on Netflix. Uh, you know, the whole panel was awesome. It started with this kind of, uh, you know, sizzle reel of all the... Heroes to date uh, from Netflix, including a bunch of new footage from the Luke Cage show. And then, surprise, John Bernthal just comes out of nowhere, is there to just t say, like, hey, I'm super busy filming a movie. 
But I am the Punisher. There is going to be a Punisher show. Isn't that cool? Bye, everyone. And he's definitely very proud of being the Punisher. And, and for good reason. He did a great job. And I can't wait to see what they do with that show. Uh, but then the Luke Cage cast came out, which was just so great. The executive producer of the show had so many awesome things to say about it. How, this, you know, he used to be a, uh, a writer who worked on, you know, in the world of hip-hop. He, he talks about how... He knew Biggie Smalls and put put pictures of him in the show. How the show is about the Wu Tangification of Marvel, which was just uh, a great line. And you hear old dirty bastard Shimmy Shimmy Law in in the trailer for Luke Cage's show, and it's great. And just also loved his line that the world is ready for a bulletproof black man. Like it's, I don't think it's an accident that he, in the big action set piece, which looked great anyway, he is wearing a hoodie and then fighting the world. Like that's, that is great. Uh, then there was uh, some nice surprise footage from Iron Fist. I really enjoyed that. I, I'm looking forward to that show. Iron Fist is one of my favorites and I'm very surprised that they're sticking so close to what defined Iron Fist in the comics. Like his origin in the comics is kind of a little cliche or a little fantastical for the world of Netflix and yet they're doing it. He's just, that is what he's doing. And uh, also then the, you know, Defenders teaser, that was pretty neat just to see that they're doing it. And, and also to use Come As You Are in it, you know, master versions of Nirvana songs are not cheap to license. So I think that was them kind of showing off. Bummed to hear that uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage not getting new seasons until 2018. But that's because 2017 is going to be Iron Fist and then Defenders. So, you know, they want to do Defenders and then move on to new seasons of all those other shows. One thing I was kind of hoping that they would announce is a Ghost Rider show. But instead, Ghost Rider is going to be part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4, which... It more so feels like they're using... I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I'll be interested to see how it plays out in its car Ghost Rider, not bike Ghost Rider. So it's almost like a different dude anyway. But, uh, you know, Ghost Rider, I feel like they're using him to prop up Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, you know, needs a boost, needs some new blood on the show. It feels like he's almost like the Seven of Nine of the show. You know, I like Seven of Nine. I got added to Voyager just to, like, make the show more exciting, and she definitely boosted the show. Pretty much Ghost... I wonder if that's how they're feeling with Ghost Rider and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, also, last bit of Marvel stuff for the Marvel block. Joss Whedon says he'd return to Marvel for a Black Widow solo film. I, I hope they take him up on it. You could tell Black Widow was his favorite character in that... He did his best to, you know... Uh, there are bits and pieces of both his Avengers films that are just like, well, this isn't a Black Widow movie now. Like, you... Because Black Widow doesn't get personal moments in the other films. So, they... She, he gets to explain her origin some and just dig into the character. There was all the DC TV stuff, which was pretty neat in general. Though I'm still not going to watch Arrow. Even though I did get to meet John Barrowman, who plays Merlin on the show. Uh, though also, you know, he's, he's famous from Torchwood as well. Uh, but Flash Flash and Supergirl, I'm, I'm pretty hyped for. And Legends of DC to an extent. But Arrow, it's just like... And then uh, just hearing that everybody... 
hearing the reviews of the finale of the uh, last season of Arrow, I was just like, oh, I, I think maybe I was right in thinking this is not good. But, uh, then again with Flash, you know, they're talking to Flashpoint, they're talking about Flashpoint changes everything, and it's kind of like, but you, then how can I ever trust you guys to move stuff forward? Like, you hit time travel reset buttons all the time on the Flash, and it's it kind of leads to, like, a lack of stakes, I would say. And it's, uh, it's kind of disappointing on a certain level. I hope... I hope they just walk back from Flashpoint a little into the season. I hope it's just not an entire Flashpoint season. And then when that's over, they're like, okay, well, everything's back to normal. And now he'll date Iris. Like, look, you can't, like, just don't don't tease out the will they, won't they on, on Barry and Iris for so long, please. Meanwhile, Supergirl's got its own Superman now, and we've seen him in costume. And I gotta say, those... Those publicity stills didn't look like shit. Like he, that publicity still looked like shit. I thought he looked like a. I thought he looked pretty dumb and had a dumb haircut. And yet the photos from the filming of it looked great. Like he looked really great. I like the costume. He definitely has a, a great behind the actor from Teen Wolf. And yeah, he was just you know he looks like a really good Superman. I think it's great that we just have a TV live action Superman again. It had been denied for so long just because the movie said no. He's we've got the movie Superman, no TV Superman allowed. You can't do it. And uh, I wonder if that you know you could thank Jeff Johns for that. I wonder if Jeff Johns taking over if that's his call and he just says like you know we have all these different Superman and everything else. People get different universes, and it doesn't devalue Superman and other stuff to have Superman in this stuff. Uh, then again, who knows? Maybe they'll just kill Superman in like his second appearance on Supergirl just to raise the stakes some more. Uh, on the animation side of things with DC, by the way, they I, I got to see the premiere of Justice League action, and it looked pretty neat. You know, it's uh, definitely skewing younger, but... But that's okay, you know, it's it's kind of in the Teen Titans Go model, except, you know, taking off of the Justice League Cartoon Network series instead of the Teen Titans. Then there's the Killing Joke, which, uh, boy, man, oh man. So the Killing Joke movie, I haven't watched the entire thing. I've seen the new scenes they've added to it, and it's just like, oh, come on. I get it, like, spoilers for the Killing Joke animated feature if you haven't heard about it yet, but I get that they wanted to add stuff for Barbara to do, a Batgirl to do, because she really is nobody in the comics. She doesn't have much to do. She doesn't have much to say. She's just a victim. She's just like a silent victim who then is just to, there to inspire Batman and to push him even closer to the edge, and maybe he will kill the Joker. And all that kind of bullshit that they just, like put in there they just they just made it worse i felt instead of instead of improving the character of Batgirl in it they made her bleh. it just it kind of deepened the badness of it and on top of that it, it went into this whole thing people are blaming brian azarello for and he definitely did not didn't help his case but i also think you know if you if you've been watching the animated stuff for a while that bruce tim has been in charge in you know that he kind of is a big shipper of Batgirl and Batman. You know, he did it in Mystery of the Batwoman. He did it in a couple other things. He is kind of more into Bruce being with Barbara than the traditional Dick Grayson with, with Barbara stuff. And so I, I feel like you could put a little bit of that on him, too. But, uh, you know, 
hey, look, they got it out of their system. They made a Killing Joke animated movie. Now let's never talk of the Killing Joke again. And actually, on fandom, if I may promote my other stuff, let me just tell you, I wrote an article about the uh, five... Five, about five Joker comics that are better than Killing Joke because this kind of just made me like like the Killing Joke less in in watching it afterwards. I was like, oh, the book. Maybe I was wrong about the book. Maybe it's just like a book with all. Maybe it does have awesome art by Brian Bolin, but it's kind of it's kind of cliche. And the Joker actually is kind of out of character. That he's just like his moments of sanity of like, oh, anyone could go insane, and I'm one bad way. Like, now nah, fuck you, buddy. You're just an asshole. I did get a, uh, a free signed copy of Paul Dini's Batman comic, his autobiographical Batman comic, Dark Knight, which is about when he was mugged while working on the Batman animated series in the early 90s. And it's, it's a really good personal book. And if you grew up watching the animated series, you know it'll touch you in a different way. And, and I want to thank Randy out there for hooking me up with that signed copy. Thank you very much, Randy. And thank you uh, to everybody who's still been sending me, you know, your Marvel codes and everything and, and just still supporting and following me and, and listening to me on the other shows I still do, like when I appear on. I still do regularly Talking Simpsons. I haven't missed one of those yet. Gonna try to be on more laser times, all that stuff. But uh, I, I want to mention a couple more things here, real quick. First off, out of comic news at Comic Con, most interesting to me was that uh, writer slash uh, activist Roxanne Gay is working with Tanahisi Coates on a Black Panther spinoff that uh, stars the really my two favorite characters of Coates' run on Black Panther, the Dora Milaje uh, women who 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 have like just taking the book by storm. They are great. But Roxanne Gay has taken that over, and uh, she is the first black woman to be a writer on a Marvel book, like, in Marvel history. And in a way, you're like, wow, that's awesome. And in another way, you're like, wait, it, it took that long? Like, it's been that long to get to get a black woman writing a Marvel book? That's, that's nuts. But here we are. And hey, you know, breaking that glass ceiling. She did it, baby. I'm really looking forward to that book. I've been loving Coates' run on Black Panther already. And those two are my favorite characters, so a spin-off book starring them is actually, like, really exciting to me. And I figure I'd uh, mention real quick the books that uh, I have been reading and enjoying, you know, the What You've Been Reading corner for Hank here. Really, at the top of my reading stack right now is The Fix, the image book The Fix by Nick Spencer and Steven Lieber. And it's just like, uh, it's the team behind Superior Spider-Man. I talked about it back on the show. Still been reading it and still loving it. Such a funny, funny, funny book. Oh, God, it's it's just... If there's one book you should be reading right now, it's The Fix. Though, you know, I've also been loving still the Southern Bastard series. And it deservedly won all those Eisner Awards. As did Dan Dan Slott and Mike Allred's Silver Surfer books as well. And, you know, Nick Spencer, people are giving him shit for Hydra Cap. But really, his run on Hydra Cap has got me more interested. Because... They totally set up from the beginning that that Red Skull is as bored as Nick Spencer is. That he's just like, uh, another the old tired fight with Captain America. Let's do something more interesting. And that's why we have Hydra Cap. My only complaint on it is that 
He's making Baron Zemo too much of a goof. I don't know. Baron Zemo should be way better than he is. Like, he's, he should not be Gargamel. On the Archie side of things, still loving Jughead, still loving Archie. First issue of Betty and Veronica by Adam Hughes was really great, too. Then, meanwhile, let me tell you guys, you know, I, I remember getting in the uh, Hank, Ask Hank section, people asking me to read Valiant and saying how awesome Valiant is. But I just didn't get the time. But in my new job at Fandom, I got a bunch of free copies of Valiant books to read up for a project and... I actually interviewed uh, Robert Venditti about it at Comic-Con as well, but uh, Exo Man of War, Faith, Ninjak, Bloodshot, The Valiant, Archer and Armstrong, I, I am loving all of those books. They're really, really great. I, I like the compact style of storytelling. I like how it's kind of grown up, but kind of super-y at the same time. And I like that it's not, you know, all tied up with, with continuity and all that while still respecting the, you know, concepts of Valiant that started the company, you know, 20 plus years ago. I'm really into it. If I had to pick my favorite books, it's, it would definitely be Faith and Bloodshot. I really like Jeff Meyer's work on Bloodshot. He takes a stupid combo of Wolverine and Punisher and turns him into a very interesting character who is dealing with a lot of heavy shit. And meanwhile, Faith is just a really fun book. It, it's something I can super identify with. You've got this nerdy person at a job, a professional writer online, who then is, try, is, is dealing with self-confidence, dealing with, with living in the real world, and dealing with, you know, being as super as they want to be. I just, I really love that book, Faith. It's, it's really great. Uh, and on the Marvel side of things, you know, still love an amazing Spidey. Still loving the trio of great books, Hellcat, Howard the Duck, and Unbeatable uh, Squirrel Girl. Very sad to see Howard is ending in a couple months or in a month in his, when I've loved it so much. Though, you know, I, I really hope the same does not happen to Hellcat. I hope Hellcat keeps going strong, baby. Keep going. Don't, don't end. Uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is still doing pretty good. So good that it's even getting its own graphic novel made by the team of uh, Ryan North and Erica Henderson, which is pretty wacky when you think about it because most books can barely keep a consistent, you know, writer and artist together 12 issues of a year. Like, that never happens. And here's a team that's like, no, we can do 12 issues, and then we can also do three more issues and sell that at the same time. It's, it's, it's wild. Uh, and then at DC, you know, I've been enjoying uh, the Rebirth books I've been reading. I really like where Rebirth has been taking them. I was, I think, very doubtful of it on this very podcast. But the Batman, Superman, Rebirth especially, and Greg Rooka's run on Wonder Woman, I've really been enjoying. Even the Justice League stuff, really liking that. So I've been reading a lot of comics still, as you can see, even if I don't have an outlet to talk about it. I have still got thoughts on comic books. That's also where I'm going to leave you guys uh, with this episode. I, I just wanted to share all my thoughts on Comic-Con with all of you. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll do more of these. Maybe I'll do more of these solo ones. Or maybe every once in a while I'll find time after hours with uh, the guys at, at Laser Time and record those uh, some more stuff there. And, you know... I, uh, one thing I really want to do, I'll just tell you guys here, I definitely want us to do another 
run of videos looking at all the Marvel cards from Marvel Series 2. Marvel Series 1 was so much fun, and you should definitely watch all those videos if you haven't yet. It was a great, great time. And who knows, maybe I'll do more superhero spotlights on here. I've got lots of ideas. I just don't want to promise anything I can't do. And actually, like, next week I'm going to Las Vegas for Star Trek convention there. So if you're going to be there, say hi to me in the uh, the Rio in uh, Las Vegas. I'll also likely be at PAX over Labor Day weekend. So if you're going to be at that in Seattle, say hi as well. And I may even go to New York City Comic Con for the first time. We We shall see. We shall see. Thanks all you guys for listening. Remember that even though I'm still, I'm no longer a full-time part of Laser Time, still part of Laser Time, and they definitely love your support over at patreon.com slash laser time. They're still doing lots of great stuff on 30, 20, 10, Vigi Game Apocalypse, the regular Laser Time show, bonus time, all this great stuff. You should definitely give those a listen. And uh, who knows, I will see you some other time. But until then... Excelsior! Excelsior.